you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Palladino, and today I have a guest who is going to talk about something that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, osteopathy. So today I have Samara Stein with me, and Samara, besides being my friend who I met at at a conference, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, during our conversation... Samara has a great uh, story. She's currently an osteopathic manual practitioner with over 25 years of experience helping women, infants, and children. She's currently the head of pediatric osteopathy at the Canadian College of Osteopathy. She has spoken at mother's groups about the benefits of osteopathy for babies and to dentistry clinics on how osteopathy can help infants and babies with tongue ties. Samara is the owner of Footprints Therapy, a thriving practice with two locations. It can be said that Samara grew up professionally at Footprints. She started her career there as a massage therapist, continued after as an osteopathic manual practitioner after graduation from the Canadian College of Osteopathy, and took over the practice in 2014. Samara has taken numerous courses in advanced pediatrics, obstetrics, advanced craniosacral therapy, biodynamics, and courses on the linkage between body structure and emotions. She specializes in treating infants with latching and feeding issues, traumatic birth, colic, plagiocephaly, constipation, torticollis, and a variety of other special needs. She also treats women with fertility and pre- and postpartum issues. Samara has a particular interest in children and adults with mental health issues, including depression and anxiety, and has lately been using homeopathy in her practice at well, as well. <laughs> Thank you, Samara, for being here. It's an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Lisa. That was uh, quite the intro. Yeah. Well, you have quite the story, you know, and I remember, you know, let's, let's just explain to our guests how our um, listeners, how we met, we both attended the ICAP conference in, um, well, in Can- it was in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it was in Canada. It was on the West coast. What's the name of the town? My, my Sunday morning brain as we're Vancouver, saying here. Is like, beautiful Vancouver, Vancouver, British Columbia. Yes. Vancouver. We both traveled I- West to meet each other, even though yes. we're both on the East coast. And we happened, I don't know if it was at, like, we were, like, sitting there in front of, like, 
my table or we were having cocktails in our hand, but I remember meeting you and meeting your mom and instant, instant connection, right? Like there are some people you meet and it's just instant. And we knew we had to be friends. Yeah. And then we had, we literally spent the rest of our time together having meals and taking, I think we took most of the same uh, talks together too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yep. it was great. It was meant to yeah. be. Yep. And the reason that I was not not the only reason I was attracted to spending time with you was interesting to me to hear that you were an osteopath because I want to back up a little bit and and let you explain what an osteopath actually is in your world because in the US centric world that I'm in, an osteopath is a doctor who goes to a certain type of medical school. But that's yeah. not the same all over the world, correct? No. Actually, uh, osteopathy in the United States is a medical profession. Um, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, osteopaths are medical doctors. They're trained to do surgery, to prescribe medication, um, and all diagnostic testing. Um, and then on top of that, they're supposed to be learning the manual portion of, of treatments of the human being. Um, that's been lost a little bit along the way. Um, osteopathy, when it began in the late 1800s, was meant to be a more manual form of medicine where you were um, treating the body to basically gain the innate healing properties within the body. And it tended to get lost along the way. Uh, eventually, osteopathy made its way to Europe and became more of a manual therapy. So they're not medical doctors over there. They're manual therapists as well. And then in Canada and in New Zealand and Australia and other parts of Europe, and it's, it's really grown. China, Russia, like they're doing a lot of research. And it's the only medical doctors still are in the States. And the rest of the world, they're all manual practitioners. Um, so, and Yeah. So, so the way I understand it is in the U.S., the people who go to colleges of osteopathy are then qualified to become doctors. So many of them leave the osteopathy behind because they learn all these shiny other skills and tools and licenses yeah. and all that. Correct? Does that make sense? And it, Am it's, I interpreting it's, that right? Yes. It's not all osteopathic medical doctors in the States. It's harder to find osteopathic doctors that do the manual component as well, where we just exclusively do the manual therapy um, that is osteopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so although we don't have the prescribing rights and we're not medical doctors up there, we still have the fundamental philosophies of osteopathy that came from 18 still back, as I said, in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And I am, I am still searching for someone um, to do this type of therapy in my very local area. I know there are some mm-hmm. in New York City. There are some in New Jersey. Um, you know, do you mind me asking? No. Do qu- chiropractors learn this type of therapy as well? I'm just so curious. It's coming up. Chiropractors can do. They can go and take cranial sacrum courses. There's actually an institute in Florida called the Upledger Institute, mm-hmm. and Dr. Upledger was an osteopathic physician, and he basically broke down the components of of osteopathy. So osteopathy is the umbrella, and then we have all these different modalities that we treat underneath it: cranial sacral therapy, visceral manipulation, strain counter strain, myofa- my um myofascial release. And so 
he broke down those components to be able to train the lay person to be able to do it. So a chiropractor, an IBCLC, uh, a doula, a midwife, like anybody can take these courses, any, literally anyone. Um, it's not a regulated profession. They basically take the courses and then they integrate it within their practice. And there are some people who don't have any uh, previous healthcare training that take these courses as well. Um, but the key is, is that they all are osteopathic techniques. So when you go see an osteopathic doctor in the States who does the more manual therapy, or you see someone in Canada or in Europe or the rest of the world who is an, who is an osteopathic manual practitioner, that we are performing all these techniques. We are, if we're gone to a proper school with the proper level of education, um, then we are integrating all these techniques. So yeah, a chiropractor can do a technique, but they're not going to give you a full osteopathic treatment. They're hopefully they're probably going to be integrating it into their treatment plan with Cairo or massage or whatever. That that's a perfect explanation. Um, it helps me to put things in perspective and understand a little bit more. And knowing that the different modalities fall under osteopathy and aren't separate, you know, that yes. really clarifies things for me and I'm sure members of my audience. So thank you so much. No um, my next question for you is to tell me about how you got involved, you know, with tongue tie, lip tie, oral restrictions in infants. Like, how do you go from, I'm a massage therapist and now I'm going to school and I'm, I become an osteopath and you do so many wonderful things with that. And then specializing down, it seems, in, in the issues that we face. So um, it's an evolution. And like you, Lisa, you know, you start off doing one thing and you're working with, you know, babies with breastfeeding issues. And as an osteopathic manual practitioner, we understand the function of the tongue and the integrative function of the tongue, because the tongue, you know, on a vertebra vertical plane does not work by itself. We actually call the tongue a diaphragm. It's a, any vertical structure and they're all interconnected, um, doesn't work without other issue, other anatomical parts uh, working properly. So, you know, working with different professions and you just have a baby who comes in and they're like, yep, we went to a doctor or a dentist and we had it released. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was probably having my own child and having breastfeeding difficulties and going to see Jack Newman bef even before I gave birth because I knew that I would potentially have some issues and learning from him and then my son getting the release. And then, you know, back then, this was now 15 years ago, you know, there was nothing about stretches. It was just cut. Okay, go. And, you know, his tongue reattached. And I was seeing a lot of other babies' tongues being reattached. And then you just go down the spiral to start learning and you meet the right professionals at the right time to help me as a parent. And then as I was learning that and then treating more and more infants because I didn't, graduate and say, okay, I'm just going to treat babies. You know, you have to gain experience. And I needed to take a lot of courses out of school to be able to specialize in infants and children. And, um, and then you just, it, it broadens out, you know, you meet amazing IBCLCs. You learn that you have to do stretchings, which for me, of course, makes sense. You know, you're cutting a frenulum, you're creating scar tissue, and then you, you're binding it back down again without doing stretches. Like you go and have surgery on your back or your hip or your arm, you got to do physio afterwards. Like you have to do something to maintain uh, the structure so it doesn't contract again. It doesn't go back to dysfunction. Um, so really it's an evolution. I can't say it was like 
one thing or one person that happened. I think um, the the ICAP conference that happened pre-COVID, I think it was like summer 2018, that was like, I think the catalyst for me that blew my mind open to not just tongue ties and stretches, but all these other professionals, the myofunctional therapists. And one of the things that we really strive at our clinic is that we're not the be all and the end all. You know, I work with myofunctional therapists, I work with IBCLCs, I work with chiros and massage therapists, and it's a really team approach that helps um, optimize breastfeeding. Right. You know? I love that. Yeah. I mean, you you know, I preach the team approach yeah. and different teams for different babies, different Absolutely. life stages, right? Depending on what's needed. And mm-hmm. you've integrated that team into your, your footprints practice, which is to me beautiful. You know, um, yeah. it's the ideal and it's great that you have that. Are you a solopreneur or small business owner? If so, I want to ask you a question. Do you know exactly how much money you made in your business last month? Or can you find this number right now with just a couple of clicks on your computer? I'm Sarah Finns, finance coach and accountant and creator of Easy Business Bookkeeping, a course and system for tracking your business finances with ease. I want to bust the myth that managing the money in your business needs to be time consuming and stressful, or that you need to be a finance professional in order to understand them. With Easy Business Bookkeeping, you will get the tools and support you need to finally gain clarity with your finances so you can grow your business and your impact. Want to learn more? Go to www.sarahfins.com forward slash TTE podcast for details. That's sarahfins.com forward slash TTE, like tongue tie experts podcast, and I'll see you on the inside. So... I love your explanation about how you became involved. And, you know, ultimately it, the catalyst was having your own child, right? And that's that's usually almost, I'd say like 90% of the people that I asked that question to, that's the answer. Um, for me, it wasn't. It was like, you know, for me, hindsight is twenty twenty, But mm-hmm. learning about tongue tie sort of, um, I don't know, opened my eyes and, gave me explanations to things that I hadn't understood that happens in my own journeys with my kids and yeah. wish I could go back, but we can't go back. We can only go forward. Right. But it's amazing because, you know, through learning through your child and, you know, as a parent, you reach out to, to all different modalities to be able to help your kid. And I still do this to this day with my own son. And through that, I learn more as a healthcare professional about how I can help families generally by helping my own kids. So it's mm-hmm. I, I'm still learning and I'm still meeting the most amazing and diverse practitioners, you know, not just within the, the tongue tie world, but also with, you know, with, with kids and with adults and learning not like myofunctional therapy, you know, yeah, it's great for tongue ties, but there's so many other issues. And we work with kids with special needs and speech mm-hmm. issues, and it's not a tongue tie function. It could be a low tone function. Um, so it's it's an evolution. I can't say it was like one thing that got me into working with babies with breastfeeding and latching issues. You know, it, I worked with them at the time with with all the reserves that I had 14 years ago, and now I have so many more amazing professionals that I work with to be able to help them. And these ICAP conferences, oh, I, I right. just preach to everybody how amazing it is. You know, because every time we go, we learn new tricks and tools to be able to help our own population that comes into our clinic. 
And also hear the stories of other people that are doing similar things in maybe just a little different way or the same way that that validates what you're doing. Or, you know, my first tongue tie conference, I felt like I walked in the room and I found found my people. You know, it was just it was mm-hmm. just like I could not believe it. And I've spoken about it before on um, the podcast about how I walked into a room of multidisciplinary providers and felt this the respect and the learning community to, didn't matter le- what what your initials yeah. were didn't matter what level you're at and so let's talk about ICAP because I actually okay. did an um, an episode prior to ICAP with Jessica who yeah. is one of the people very involved in ICAP um to, you yeah. know our anticipatory like excitement that the um that it was upcoming and I had no idea, you know, how great it was going to be. First of all, it was the first time I exhibited for my podcast and that was right. so much fun. But yeah. ICAP itself, um, International Consortium of Ankyloglossia Professionals. It's that a mouthful. A mouthful. <laughs> it's a mouthful. And it's a group of people that actually spun off from another group a few years ago, there was another group and it kind of split because of things I won't go into, but no hard feelings anymore. Um, yep. And, but it's a great learning experience. It's a great experience to be in the room with these kind of people, but also the research, because the biggest thing that we get is, oh, there's no research, but that's going to change, right? I mean, it is changing. There is research, but there's yeah, even going to be more research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the yeah. exciting part to me. Yeah. And just being in with a group of like-minded professionals, like you don't have to prove yourself to anybody there. You're, you say you're an osteopathic manipulationist or like, where do you work? And right. even if they don't fully understand what you do, they want to understand what you do because they know that it's a, it's a team approach. It's not just a dentist having a baby doing the release and then saying, mm-hmm. Hey, like, okay, go see the IBCLC. We understand the whole concept of, you know, of, of, of body work, which I don't mm-hmm. love that term. Right. I was right. one of the people who was like, right. no, not body work. It just right. sounds too aggressive, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But manual therapies, which mm-hmm. is the term that I love and, mm-hmm. and manual therapies covers anybody. Anytime you put your hand on the, on the baby's body, you're doing some type of manual therapy, right? Mm-hmm. There's intention there. And you know, that, that child is being treated. Right. Um, and I, I even feel that myself, you know, I'm not an osteopath, but when I put my hands on a baby, I feel like it's a therapeutic relationship. Even as a nurse, we have therapeutic relationships with just touching. Like I remember that way back in nursing school, learning therapeutic touch. Yeah. Are you a professional that feels like you didn't learn enough about tongue tie in school? Whether you're a lactation consultant, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, a midwife, a doula, a doctor, a speech-language pathologist, a chiropractor, PT, OT, dentist, etc. I don't mean to leave anyone out. Anyone who works with pregnant or breastfeeding families in any capacity who is curious about tongue tie is welcome in the Professional's Guide to Tongue Tie in the Breastfeeding Infant. What you'll learn We have four modules, assessment, treatment plan, phrenotomy, and aftercare. So much great information, and it comes with a community. 
I didn't learn this in school, did you? Tongue tie treatment can be complex and those who expect relief of symptoms with a quick snip or even a laser release, even by an experienced provider, are usually disappointed. Join me to learn protocols that offer an organized and simplified plan to support families through decision-making, preparation, treatment plans, procedure if needed, and aftercare. Learn the teamwork model of care. Knowing why and which providers are necessary will make things easier for you and provide effective outcomes for your patients. Please sign up today. The link is in the show notes, but you can go to my website, tongueTieExperts.net. Go to the professional tab. And one last thing, since you listen to my podcast, you'll get 15% off just by using the coupon code PODCAST15. And the word podcast is all in caps. Can't wait to see you in the group. Take care. So um, for those who weren't there, I, let's talk about the term body work and the little controversy that came up, which I think is, is a good thing because here's an example of how going to a conference makes us consider things that we wouldn't consider or rethink what you say. I've always used the term body work, not knowing that anybody would have any offense to it. And you brought it up in our meeting at ICAP and all of a sudden hands went up around the room saying, yeah, me too. I, I don't like that either. You know? So. Yeah. I think it's, it, you know, I think there's an underlying, you sound like body work and there's like almost like an aggressive term. It's like you're, and, and we were talking to people about this. When you say body work, it sounds like you're putting your hands on someone's body and you're, you're molding them like a piece of clay. Um, where manual therapy, I, I just feel like it just sounds, it sounds more gentle. I feel like the implication to it is, is more, more holistic. Um, it just, you know, when I was talking to uh, Gigi, who we met as well, there is a physiotherapist in, in uh, New York or New Jersey. I can't remember where she is. And we, we were both on the same mm-hmm. page that we just, that term body work was a very like aggressive term. And that's not our approach. We're with these infants, these little fluid bodies and you know body work just sounded so aggressive so mm-hmm. you know they're they're still kind of wavering we still throw around the term body work i say manual mm-hmm. therapy you know possibly yeah. one day hopefully we'll have a standard and one term for everything but yeah in the meantime yeah. at least we understand the importance of having some type of manual therapy pre-post frenulum release or even if a baby doesn't need one and there's a lot of tension um, that they send them to us first, whether it's a mm-hmm. chiro or osteo or massage or whoever is really specializing. And that's the important thing too, is I, I, I stress to people that, you know, when you're bringing a baby to see a manual therapist to make sure that that individual has more training because we don't walk out of school, any of us to specialize in treating babies and kids really have to take a lot of courses. And there's a lot of learning that goes on post-graduation to be able to get to a point where you can say, okay, this is what I actually specialize in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think that I got involved in using the term body work when I first came into this field and met people and they were using the, like the um, diagram of the three-legged stool, you know, like, yeah. so you have the person, yes, you need the person for the release 
in a tongue t- in a breastfeeding baby you need the IBCLC and in you need the body worker and that was all the other people involved and then that didn't work for me after a while when I started including speech language pathologists on my team mm-hmm. and I was like all right they're not body workers <laughs> where do I put them where do I put them so but we evolve but they yes they are but not that's not what it was referring to originally right yeah so yeah i mean we're all body workers we're all working with the human body so Mm -hmm. you know whatever it's it's an evolving term but i feel like this whole conversation that we're having is talking about how we evolve our practices how we learn how we learn from each other and um how some some people in the professions are left behind and don't continue to learn and i won't i won't single out any professions i'll just say there are some people in my local area that i know graduate from school and only take the courses that they need to do to keep licenses and don't expand their practice and then badmouth the rest of us who are yep. learning and growing and even doing, you know, involved in research and involved in education and involved in networking to learn from other professionals around the world. Which and that is happens so in my important. community as well, right? Mm-hmm. They finish school, they take a couple courses here and there. And, you know, if, if that's what they're comfortable doing, then, you know, you be you. I mean, I'm in a constant state of evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just, there's so much more to learn. And that's why I love going to ICAP because mm-hmm. every time I go, there's a new piece of information. Somebody has researched and come up with, with, with new information and new tools. Mm-hmm. And, and then you just go down this rabbit hole. And, and the people that we met too, I mean, that, that for me was just the be all and the end all. At the last ICAP conference in 2018 and the one we went in September, I still keep in contact with all those people that I connected with and we were like-minded and the inter-referrals like fly back and forth. Actually, um, I was just texting one of the people that I met in 2018 before because we want to do some like work together into referring. And she was talking about coming up to my, my North location to possibly do some myofunctional therapy work. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, it's so exciting. Yes, I, I don't is. want them every two years. I want them every year now. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can do our own conference to plug oh, in oh. between. No. Um, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the other thing that, um, you, you know, as we're talking about learning from our kids and evolving, you know, I'm learning from my grandson and from my mm. daughter's experience with my grandson and leave it to my grandson to be the one that stumps me. You know, I mean, he's gotten all of me, all of my friends who are providers, all of my network, everybody's opinions, everybody's expertise, and he's they're still struggling. You know, so there there is always more to learn, more to understand, and um, not to, you know, I don't want to talk about my grandson's case, but just bring it up as a... You know, I've had people say things like, well, he's just so lucky because he's got you as your, as his grandma and not so People much. used to say that to my mom as well. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Not so much. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. So, you do what you can do. Yes. Yes. And I just keep saying that I know he would have been much worse off 
if he was born into a different family, if he was born to a different mother who wasn't as dedicated as my daughter is. And kudos to her. She's like, she's my latest hero. <laughs> and oh I keep God. saying that I'm going to get her on the podcast one of these days and tell the whole story. But Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. Mothers and daughters. So I can't <laughs> let you go without bringing up your mom, who mm-hmm. is an amazing woman with an amazing story in her own right. And yes. she was at the conference with you. And I thought you guys were sisters when I first met you because she's a <laughs> she's young for her age and a spitfire and full of great energy. And we also hit it off. It was like, I, I felt like, could I just come home with you guys? Like, I just, you know, we had so much fun hanging out together. I we know. just, um, I don't know. We, we just, our hearts just seemed like they belonged together. It was, it was meant to be that we met. And it, this sounds all mushy to those who aren't there. It was, it was very professional, but it was still just a, a touching of a friendship that was formed, a bond that was formed. Absolutely. That, that was nice. So tell me a little bit about your mom. And I think she has something to do with what you do, no? Oh, so mom's evolution was amazing. So my mom is a pediatric physiotherapist by training. She's been doing this for over 50 years. And she was working in the public sector with pediatrics, working at a, a children's rehab hospital in Toronto. And she was kind of tired of the private physio world. It was very limiting what she could do, how she could help the kids. And she said, you know what? I, I'm going to open up my first private practice. So she was literally the pioneer of a private physiotherapy practice in Toronto for sure, probably in Ontario. Uh, so she opened up Footprints Therapy over 35 years ago. Uh, started off one room, just her, and it just evolved into this multidisciplinary clinic. Uh, we open up, we work with adults as well. Adults come into the clinic um, to see some of the professionals there, osteopaths, um, and we have naturopaths and uh, psychotherapists. We've, we've really like evolved from the pediatric world to one that's just open to families generally. Uh, so anyway, she she evolved. She And then finally, about 10 years ago, she said, you know what, I'm kind of done with this. I don't want to run a business anymore. Um, so either... You buy me out, take over, or I'm shutting the door. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Absolutely not. (laughs) So I scooped up and I took over and moved us. And yeah, it's going to be 10 years in May since I since I've taken over. And then, you know, it, it evolves with me as well. It evolves with her. It evolves with me. We opened up a second location. You know, I brought on IBCLCs. We never had that before. And the psychotherapy, which has been amazing. And it's just going to keep growing and growing. So she's, she's my mentor. She's amazing. She went into osteopathy. I was probably, I was in university and in my fourth year of university, seeing her going into the program, it was a light bulb moment for me. So I have been going for, you know, for manual therapies, but then when I learned about osteopathy, it was like, no, this is it. This is what I have to do. And I always knew I wanted to work with babies and kids. It was just in what facility. So um, I decided to go into massage therapy as my stepping stone to go into osteopathy um, because osteopathic manual practitioners in Canada typically not always have a healthcare professional degree beforehand. So my choice was to go into massage. It was just that's what aligned with me rather than doing physio or occupational therapy. And then as soon as I finished, I literally took a year off and then went into osteopathy. So it, it was an evolution for me as well, but it definitely stemmed from watching her evolve and go through the program. And I just, I just knew, I knew that this is what I had to do and I've never looked back. 
Right. So yeah, and we still work together. She's right next beautiful. door to me. That's beautiful and a great story of women and successful women and older women, mothers affecting and influencing and mentoring their daughters. You know, it's beautiful. I love the story. I love the two of you. And then, and, and the work, and then do. a couple years ago, uh-huh. so uh, she was teaching pediatric osteopathy in Toronto, uh-huh. and then it was during COVID. She put her back out, and I was assisting her. I've been assisting mm-hmm. her for years. She put her back out. And she's like, "You need to teach the course," and I literally mm-hmm. got thrown under the bus and had to teach a five day pediatric osteopathy course wow. when I knew the material, but you know, it was like second hand because I was assisting her. Right. And then she's like, you know what? You did a great job and I'm done. So take over. Beautiful. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. She threw you into the fire. Oh, multiple times <laughs> she's done that. <laughs> I love it. So from a practical point of view for the parents or for the providers that, that are listening to us chat today, how do we know? I mean, I'm just guessing that you think that every baby should have an osteopathic provider. Manual therapy can't hurt anyone. But in particular, if you could pick a certain certain red flags or certain things that you would say, this baby in particular, osteopathy would be the best therapy for this condition or this type of situation with a baby, what would you say it would be? I mean, I think all babies would benefit from osteopathy. You know, they grow up in this beautifully liquid but confined environment. Um, And even the best scenario, the best situation, these babies still have to come into the world. And there could potentially be some, I don't want to say trauma on their body, but definitely strains and strains from coming into this world, whether vaginally or by C-section. And, you know, they have their own journey. And sometimes, you know, things evolve after they come you know, come into this, into this light and, you know, they're, they're, they, they struggle. They have gas issues. They have latching issues. Um, there's cranial asymmetries. Um, you know, just that the moms need support, especially during COVID. Like even if there was nothing wrong and I air quote that with the baby, they still needed to come in to have mental and emotional support. Mm-hmm. And so really, I mean, I, I wouldn't say there's any baby that needs to come in. I think if all babies would benefit, even if they come in within the first month, just to make sure everything's checked out, just like you go to a doctor's office, right? You go to the doctor's office, there's nothing wrong with your baby, but you want to make sure they're measured and they're weighed and everything's going according to plan. And so we are able to do that manually with our hands to make sure that this beautiful fluidic environment that they're still living in, because that, especially that first month they come out, right? We say, you know, they're in the room, but they're really still in the womb. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be able to integrate all this erroneous noise and light and everything that's going on in their body, learning how to breastfeed. I mean, that's a whole process in itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice for them to be able to get this manual therapy, as I said, even within the first month. And then, you know, I check up on them even after they come in, if there's some potential uh, issues that the parents are dealing with, even throughout their life, I say, you know, you, you take your car into a mechanic to get it fixed, to get it, make sure everything's okay. We do that with our bodies as well. We should be doing that as adults. So mm-hmm. it's even more important when they're kids because we can really nip stuff in the butt before a, a potential major issue happens. Mm-hmm. So And it's so, so gentle. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is, and I agree, 
in the ideal world, this would be part of preventative medicine for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And IBCLCs as well. I mean, you know, there's no need to wait until there's a problem because there's so many things I can tweak along the way to make things easier, exactly. to make things function more smoothly. You know, when, when people come to my office and we have a visit, they're like, well, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? Or why didn't anybody show me this position? Or why didn't anybody ever point out that I wasn't doing such and such in the easiest way or whatever? Yeah. You know, so uh, always, always, always prevent- prevention is easier than fixing, right? And yep. we should be a part all of us should be a part of preventative care. In the ideal world, that would happen. (laughs) It's not always the case. Sometimes we get things when they're much more advanced and already a problem, but we do the best we can, right? Yeah. And and we bring in our team approach Mm -hmm. because I know that I potentially can't fix, I can't fix, you know, if a baby, baby has a poor latch and it's not something biomechanical, that's not within my scope. And that's when right. I bring in the IBCLCs right. um, in my world to be able to, to help out. Right. Right. I love it. Yeah. We should work together. <laughs> trying to get you to come down to New York, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> the next, the next um, location of Footprints Therapy, Staten Island, New York. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not so long of a commute. <laughs> No, not at all. Just got a private, give a private jet for me, Lisa. I'm there. Of course, of course. <laughs> I have it in the yard now. <laughs> I get right. Anyway, well, I want to first of all thank our listeners for bearing with us on this little bit of a love fest <laughs> that it was. But especially, I want to thank you for spending time. And for those of you who don't know, and you wouldn't know. Yeah, um, Samara and I are having this conversation on a Sunday morning because she's got such a busy schedule. She's so devoted to her practice that that's the only time she had to take some time out. So I really appreciate the Sunday morning kitchen conversation that we're having today. Bye, appreciate Monday. and so grateful for all you do for families. Thank you for the work you do. I'm so grateful for you, Lisa. And just, um, you know, in case people don't know about manual osteopathy, just so they know that it's a very, very gentle approach to treatment. Um, We treat a whole body. We treat all structures and function. And the basis is, you know, by, by treating the structure that the body has an innate ability to really heal itself. And that healing mechanism in babies and kids is so innate. It's so present. It's so there. And they really want to feel good. And that's the reason why we work with babies and children, because they just want to feel good. They want to feel good. They want to feel healthy. And to be able to be there to help facilitate that innate healing process is, is it's very powerful. I, for me, more with kids than with adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's the best explanation you could give. You're just allowing the kids to heal themselves. You're not, you're not doing anything to them. You're just allowing, you're putting them in a position where the the energy can flow in the right way and they can heal themselves. Beautiful. And we all have the innate ability to heal ourselves. We just have to have the proper, proper internal and external environments to be able Mm -hmm. to facilitate that process. And kids don't have all the, uh, the noise that prevents them from believing that like we do. (laughs) Absolutely. They just want to play. we have much more to talk about. We could go on forever and ever and ever. But part um, two. so part two. So your full <laughs> bio and your website will be in the show notes for anybody who wants to um, 
look at that. Please do. And is there anything else, you know, is there anything specific you'd want them to look for or any website, you know, mention your website so they don't, in case anybody's um, driving and they're so not the reading. website. Yeah. Website is easy. It's footprints, plural, dot ca. And both of my locations are on there. I have a location in Toronto and North York. So that's just the northern part of Toronto. And then another location up in Innisville, which is a little bit further north Ontario, uh, right by the lake. It's just beautiful up there. And um, yeah, like, you know, wherever you are in Ontario, come and check us out. I've got the two locations there to be able to, you know, serve as many communities as possible. And hopefully we're, we're growing more. Mm-hmm. And I will also put the link to ICAP in the show notes as well. So ICAP is easy. Well, it's not easy because it's got a weird name, but I'll put the <laughs> the website. And if you're a professional, you definitely should join ICAP. If you're if you are a parent looking for a professional in your area, there is a professional referral in at the ICAP website. So you can find someone if you're looking for a dentist, if you're looking for an IBCLC, if you're looking for someone like Samara. Um, you can find that at ICAP as well. But if you're a pro, definitely join. It's a very inexpensive membership, a lot of bang for your buck. Doing, We have lots of committees. It's very exciting, growing, and uh, hope to see you there. So thank you so much, Samara. Love talking Thanks, to you today. Lisa. You Bye. too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed and for ways to follow us on social media. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.